This year, I realized uh, I'm single, I am uh, mobile, and maybe now's the time because I don't know how long I've got on the planet. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. I'm excited today because we got another amazing person coming on that you're gonna to wanna to share this out with a lot of people because this dude has been around the world, has a lot of stories and has coached Fortune 100 companies on performance. I'm pretty impressed about this because it has to do with actuarial sciences. So I'm gonna ask you right now to share this out with three people, at least three people, because we do not promote, we do not take sponsors. I just need your help and I'm asking for it so that we can help and grow more people and my man david wood welcome to the show thank you happy to be here Rick. <laughs> that's awesome man i was looking a little bit more into your uh into your information here and you know you have uh one of your, the mentions that you have was from uh john lee demas right you were on entrepreneurs on fire a little while back yeah, a couple of times with nice. John. Really cool. I was on once last year, too, for my movie that I produced last year with JLD. Nice. He's such a good guy, you know, and especially being a veteran, I really appreciate that from him. What, did, what movie did you do? Liberty Lockdown. It was about government overreach during the pandemic crisis last year. You know, yeah. I guess we're still kind of in that right now, you know, but there's, a, there's some renewed interest in that. And I'm, I'm very pleased and just to even be able to be a part of that process. But I hosted it and I also executive produced it. It was a lot of fun, man. But that's how J JLD and I connected was oh, right the movie. On. Yeah. I, I just decided to get into acting three months ago. So it's been a really fun ride. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> learning what that's all about and discovering the industry. That's so cool. It's so interesting too, because, you know, I, I've gone from musician to business to pastor to back to business, all this stuff. And, you know, I look in actuarial sciences is, you know, so data driven. And I've had a couple of friends who have been in that industry too. And it's interesting that you would make a transition over to like, a you know, cause that's very left brain, right? And oh yeah. <laughs> very, very left brain. But now, you know, cause math doesn't lie, math is math you know we're not talking about tax accounting here to where you have some creativity that can be involved it's data driven this is the reasons why things are the way that they are and the reasons why we expect them to be a certain way in the future correct that's pretty much actuary well yeah actuaries are an interesting breed because they they need to be able to handle all the numbers and complex statistics and probability going 100 years into the future yeah but they also need to have the uh, english skills to be able to communicate complex abstract concepts to a board. So um, I got into it and yeah, it was great for systems and numbers and money and my left brain. And then I discovered a personal growth program and found out I knew nothing about emotional vulnerability, intimacy, true influence and leadership, transparency. So the last half of my life has been catching up with those things and I made the transition not from actuary to coach, but from actuary to professional entertainer, singing and playing guitar for pubs and parties and even on national TV once. And then I became a coach 
and now I'm diving uh, into the acting. So trying to get that get that right brain cooking. No kidding. Are we the same person here or something? Because I mean, it seems like we've had some similar ebb and flows through our life. That's pretty exciting, man. Interesting. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like I said, you know, produced a movie last year too around this, and then acting is always something that I thought in the back of my head. It's like, huh. I bet you I could do that if I really applied myself. So that's why now. Here's the question: Why are you diving into acting now? It's yeah, a, well, it's actually, a let me show you. Time think, for the I, industry, right? I think I can change my background here. I'm going to show you uh, for for uh, anyone who can see the video here. This is what I'm doing right now. This is a scene from Dracula. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. man, I love it, dude. Who's the makeup artist? They got you going pretty good there. I, well, actually, that's me on makeup. Is I it did, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I did that. Um, get out of the way there. Nice. Yeah, Dracula's looking pretty scary. Uh, the reason now is, is kind of the universe had a hand in it. I, for 10 years, I've been thinking I'd, one day I'd just like to do it. One day, right? Yeah. And I'd like to move to Los Angeles and devote myself to acting full-time get some kind of diploma, uh, audition for everything and just live the life. And if I get yep. some gigs, that'll be a bonus. And then, uh, this year I realized, uh, I'm single. I am, uh, mobile and maybe now's the time. Cause I don't know how long I've got on the planet. I want to, I want to do it sooner than later. So I decided since my lease is up May 1, May 1's when I moved to Los Angeles and I started telling people, that was what changed everything. I started telling people I plan to move to Los Angeles next year. I want to get into acting. And a friend said, I'm going to audition for this local production of Dracula. Do you want to come with me? And part of me was like, hell no, I don't know how to audition. And another part of me said, yeah, this sounds like the universe knocking. I, I should do this. So I went and auditioned and they offered me the lead. So now That's I'm awesome. <laughs> performing in a professional production. I'm actually getting paid for this. Uh, and then things have taken off. I got two short films coming up. I just booked my first commercial. Um, and it's a really fun ride. That's really awesome, man. I'm sure this is going to be the case because it's almost like a because of how the industry sort of collapsed last year, right? The the filmmaking industry. Uh, there's probably more opportunity now to get involved than what there really ever has been because it, you know I've always loved movies. I've always loved going to the movie theaters, and when they shut down last year, all over the place I was like, ah. What am I going to do? You know, because I, I love these things. But then even when you started seeing a lot of the independent films started to be pushed into theaters when the doors opened back up, because all the major studios were pushing out their release dates. You know, I remember Black Widow was one of the ones, but then also the new Bond film too, still isn't out yet, you know, actually, or did it come out? Just, uh, I mean, we're talking on, we're in October here. This is publishing, I think in January, but yeah, the Bond was pushed out a year and a half too, but these independent films were, were cranking, man. The local productions were cranking as, the, as theaters came back up. So it could be the right, I mean, just like you said, the universe, man, it's just the right timing for everything. Yeah. That's yeah, so and awesome. it's very handy for someone who lives in Colorado. Like <laughs> if I was in LA, okay, it'd be different. But the fact that now I can audition for so many things uh, over Zoom or yeah. just upload upload an audition tape now, they've they've all gone virtual. And that makes it more available to people who might not live in a center like LA. 
That's awesome. I think this is a concept and it ties into this too, because you said, Hey, it's just something you've been wanting to do in your life. Why is playing it safe? The most dangerous thing you can do? Well, I'd say 500 years ago, it wasn't 500 years, a thousand years ago, survival was the main, main thing that we're, we're up for. And so playing it safe, I think is an evolutionary trait, but nowadays Mo- a lot of people on the planet have got survival handled and um, not everybody, but that means that we don't have to continually play it safe. And the risk is if we just stay in the comfort zone, we'll get to our deathbed, look back and say, damn it, I wish I'd gone for it more. I wish I'd asked that woman or that man out. I wish I had moved across country. I wish I'd really gone for it in acting or started that new business or asked that celebrity to have lunch or whatever it is that you really want to go for. I don't want anyone to have regret. I've had too much of it in my life from when I didn't go for what I wanted and I let fear run me and I just stayed comfortable. For example, at school, um, you know, I almost never stood up to the bullies and I wish just once I'd punched a bully on the nose and taken a beating. Like, I wish I'd done that. And so regret's a powerful motivator. Let's work out now how we want to fully live life. And that's going to take some risk. And some of us going to feel very uncomfortable. When I went and auditioned for this, uh, this play, I was very nervous when it came to the dress rehearsal, I was terrified I was going to lose my lines. Like, I'm not saying it's easy, but on the other side of it, we can feel really good about ourselves because we're really living the life that we want to live. That's beautiful, man. And getting to that point, too, I mean, I hear you when you say regret's a powerful motivator, too. But then there's also challenges, right? And you've got some stories around that. I know you had an accident, right, with the full collapse of a paraglider at some point and some other things that led you to anxiety, depression. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, my life has not been, a lot of it's been easy. So it's been a mix. I was blessed to uh, get paid to go to university. And that was at a time when you didn't act, there weren't fees, like it was free to go to university, but a company paid me to go and then offered me a job straight out of the gate. So a lot of my life has been blessed. And when I was seven years old, my little sister was killed and I was there and witnessed it. And so I, I've got some PTSD, uh, I've had anxiety and depression, and there have been times in my life when I didn't know if I was going to make it. Hmm. I, you know, when you're in full-blown anxiety attacks, you don't know. Like, if it gets worse, what's going to happen? And massive depression, you just, I just didn't know. Um, and then the paraglider, yeah, that was, I had a full collapse at 300 feet and I walked away from that one. Wow. And then I had another collapse at 10 or 15 feet and I fell onto my butt. And, and that's when I, I fractured my spine. Um, but now I'm, I'm fully recovered. And I, I think one of the reasons I tell some of these stories is because I think when people see someone who's got some form of success and they're doing something well in life, they might just assume, oh, that person's got it all together. They've got it all worked out or they've got something I don't have. No, sometimes it's really, really hard. Yeah. You just don't tend to see that. You see the shiny bits that people present to the world. You don't get to see the underbelly and and what what they've had to go through to to get there. Yeah, there's a 
uh, I was at a Tony Robbins event recently too, and he was talking about different things. You know, he was referencing really the pandemic and all that, but it, it correlates to what you're saying too. Is that his statement was that life is risky. <laughs> Unless you choose to just, you know, stick yourself in, in a house, you know, and, and that's it, and then just do nothing. But what kind of a life is that to begin with? Because uh, I would choose to go through the things that you've gone through over just having a life of no impact. Because it's a, even though they, dude, I, I don't doubt it, they suck. I've had my share of adversity too with my dad passing away. I've had my share of adversity with a near death experience. I mean, less than a day be, being away from dead because of a medical thing, the freak medical thing that happened. And still, out of all of those experiences, are the things that have driven me forward. You know, you're talking like the power of regret. For me, it was more like the power of what haven't I accomplished yet? If it's a form of regret, cool. What haven't I accomplished yet that I want to? Because I'm recognizing that things are going to continue to pop up in my life here and there. And how do I overcome those challenges that I haven't even seen yet in order to push to another level and impact even more people? Yeah, we've gotten very comfortable uh, in our society. I mean, it, you know, I don't, I, I don't really, I don't know what it was like 200 years ago, 500 years ago, but I imagine it was harder. It was harder than today. I mean, today, you know, if our chair doesn't go back far enough on the plane, we're, we're pissed and we're uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Because someone's, and someone's yep. bumping us, or my cup of yeah. tea is not hot enough, so I got to go and, and heat it up. We've gotten in such a small comfort bubble that anything, like even a cold shower, is like, oh my God, I don't have a cold shower. And so there's a practice that, that we can take on called practicing deliberate discomfort. Hmm. You can take on a practice of cold showers just to see what it's like to be uncomfortable and lean into that. And it can start to translate into other areas like um, calling 10 people and asking them if they want to work with you or, or whatever it is that might be an edge for you. That's intriguing, man. Were you in my house a few months ago because the water heater was dead for like two days and I hated it, I, man. I was, dude. Mainly I stay outside looking through the rear window, but there was one time I, I needed to use the bathroom. I apologize for not asking that's first. okay. I, you and I get, seem to get along pretty well, so that's that's fine. We'll just let that one slide right. a little bit. Thanks. <laughs> that's awesome. But you're right, though, because I mean, even for just the, those few mornings, I was like, man, this sucks. This is the worst, you know? And I caught myself in the moment. It's like... But after this five moment, this five, well, it was, I was going to say five minutes, but it was probably more like five seconds, the fastest showers I've ever taken in my life, you know, <laughs> not the first cold ones, but after those moments of discomfort, it was like, you know, the days were going pretty well and it was the only thing, but it set me up for the rest of the day, or I could have let it set me up, I should say, to have just a gloomy outlook for the entire day, just because yeah. of that whole thing, you know? And Right. And you know, it, I just realized it translates not just the physical stuff, right? So we've got, we've got maybe cold showers or going for a run or exercising longer than feels comfortable, or even I've got a chin up bar and I don't mind doing the first four to six, but after that, I, I don't feel comfortable in the body as I'm doing it, but it also translates to emotional stuff. Are we willing to feel awkward and uncomfortable having a tough, tough conversation? Yeah maybe asking our partner for something sexual in the bedroom that we've been wanting or confessing something to our kids or, um, you know, or feeling afraid, feeling, uh, you know, like are we willing to have those feelings? In the moment, it doesn't feel good. 
But if we're willing to do it, usually afterwards it feels good. After I get off stage speaking to a crowd, I feel really grateful that I did it. After I ask that celebrity to endorse my book, I feel proud and I feel good that I gave a shot. I, I just pitched Alan Alder from, from MASH. Um, awesome. To, to be on my podcast. And I haven't gotten a no yet. He said, reach out to my producer and we'll see what we can do. But it feels scary doing it. And then afterwards, it generally feels good in my experience. And as a bonus, you might get some really cool results. You might get, I, Jack, I'm blessed to have Jack Canfield write the forward to my, my book. That's that awesome, was man. a lot of work and a lot of risk to get there. But when it happened, oh my God, I was over the, <laughs> I, could, I actually remember the moment when I walked up to him in an event and, and handed him the draft because he'd said, I'll take a look at a draft. And standing there while we're waiting for the speaker to come on, he just looked through it, changed two pieces of punctuation and handed it back to me. And I, I didn't know what happened. I'm like, wait, are, are we good? He said, yeah. I said, that's it? He said, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I walked away. I'm like, oh my God, I got it. I got a forward nice. by Jack Canfield. So exciting. That's awesome, man. That's putting yourself out there, brother. That's amazing because it, it's- Over a period of years. For sure. Yeah, that was, that was a long, the long game. And you generated the momentum off of that too because it's not- it's, I like how you say that you didn't get a no yet, you know, from, from the individual you're asking onto your podcast, because sometimes it'll kind of linger there. And it seems like it might linger there for the long time, for a long, long time. But how, how often do you feel like for these big moments in your life or how many times you feel like you have to ask the question, you know, or continue to pursue that route to make active choices and decisions to go after an outcome that you're desiring, that you're dreaming of? Uh, like, should I keep going or is it time to let it go? You got is it. Is that the right question? On. Yep. Yeah. This is a huge question. I think I have a lot to say about it. Um, I, and maybe through examples, I, I can flesh this out. So I've got a friend who's got a product that he wants to bring to market, super passionate about it. He's been at it for several years and hasn't raised funding. And, you know, he's often in the question, should I, like, how, how far should I go? Now, one factor is money. Like, sure. does he have the resources to do it? He's got time. He's running out of cash. So he might want to put a timeline on it. Another factor is passion. How important is this? How much do you love it? He said to me recently, if I won the lotto, if I won a million dollars, I would still be doing this. It's like, okay. So maybe it's a labor of love. Now, there might come a time where he's got to go and get a day job and this becomes more of a hobby. Seth Godin wrote a book called The Dip and very simple concept, but very powerful concept. And it's all about the rewards tend to lie on the other side of a dip. If, if there wasn't a dip, everyone would go for it and they would get the rewards, like qualifying as an actuary, for mm -hmm. example. It takes on an average 10 years to qualify and it's blood, sweat and tears. And sometimes you can study for a year, sit a six hour exam and 80% of people fail the exam. Wow. So you got to now go and study for another year with all the changes in legislation. It was horrendous, massive dip. Now, had I known the extent of the dip, I don't think I would have, well, I may not have started on the journey. 
because I would like 10 years and, and failing again and again and again. And you can't just stop when you're 70% of the way through because it's like being 70% of a surgeon. You still can't do surgery. Yeah. Right. And actually still can't sign <laughs> some things. I wouldn't want that person working on me, man. <laughs> you know? Right. And actuaries, even after eight years, if you still haven't qualified, you can't sign things required by legislation. So you don't get the huge pay bump. So that's an example of a massive, yeah. massive dip. Now, if you're not sure, you're like, wait, how far should I go before I give up? Oh, wait, another example, um, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen with Chicken Soup for the Soul. I love Mark. They, Mark's been on the show before. Oh, love Mark. And his wife, Crystal. Amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Such a fun guy. Um, now, those guys had at least 150 rejections yeah. for their book and they kept at it. They kept at it. Now, how far do you go? I once did... Uh, a voice dialogue session with myself and voice dialogue is where you get the different parts of your psyche that are, that are competing and you sit them down and have a conversation with them. I want to so do there this. Was a <laughs> so th there was a part in me that was, that was wanting to push this, this project that was good for the world and that I really loved and I wasn't getting any traction. And there's another part of me saying, you can't keep doing this. You've got to make money. And it's like, what's the answer? So I sat down in two different chairs and the financial controller would say, we've got to make money. And then I'd go and sit in the other chair and, and take the other role and say, yeah, but this is good for the world. Anyway, after about five, 10 minutes, we came up with a deal. All right, we're going to pursue this for another three months and we've got to get a minimum of 10 clients doing this, even at 50% discount. If that doesn't happen then, okay, this isn't viable financially and we're going to let it go. Hmm. But if we do hit that target, we can keep on going. And then I was at peace because the different parts of me were, were satisfied and we'd come up with a deal and um, we weren't going to indefinitely be going through this dip, like walking through the desert with no water. No. So what Seth says is work out the dip, like take a look at the resources it's going to take, how much time, how much money? What do you need emotionally? And do you have that? Are you likely to stick it out for those big rewards on the other side of the dip? If you're not likely to stick it out, don't begin. There's no failure in going all the way through the dip and there's no failure in saying, hey, I'm not going to even start. But going halfway through blood, sweat and tears and then saying, oh, I don't think I have what it takes to finish it. I'm out. That doesn't seem like a good move. Wow, that's it. It's an interesting practice and an, an integration there too. Is having that dialogue with yourself. You know, in, in that it sounded in your example there, it was very pragmatic, right? Both sides were were coming at it from their own perspectives. That was awesome. Is there sometimes a third person that exists in that dialogue too, and that third person takes on almost like an embodiment of fear? Um. I've, I've never gone that far, I, and I, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychiatrist, yeah. but I understand that parts therapy is about like identifying the different parts of us. Usually, in my experience and with my clients, there are two strong voices that are, that are warring oh, I got you. with each other. We, we just keep it simple. So there might be a part that's afraid. That'd be the part, I don't want to go and audition, or I don't want to go on national television because I'm really scared. 
And then there might be another part that's pushing for it. Yeah, but this would be great for business. And you're going to feel really good about yourself afterwards if you go and do it. And other things are going to be easier, right? So you go back and you have a conversation with these two parts and maybe you come up with a deal. Okay, what if, like, let's take the acting audition. I was very scared to go to that audition. But before I went, I did some preparation. I bought the script and read the whole script. I don't don't know if anyone else did that. I memorized the lines for the audition so Mm -hmm. I didn't have to look down at the book. I had friends come over and read with me. I Googled how to do a German accent so I could do the vampire slayer with a German accent. And then I hired an acting coach, paid him 50 bucks for an hour to show him what I was going to do for the the audition. And he gave me some feedback. So, you know, that might be part of the deal. All right, we'll prep and we'll do this and we'll get support from a friend. You'll have someone come with us. And um, okay, on that basis, I'm, I'm willing to do it. And I'm willing to be afraid. That's huge. That's Are amazing. Are you willing yeah, yeah. to be afraid? Okay, yes, I'm willing to feel free. It's, it's not that big a deal. I've had it before. I'll get through it. I think a lot of us are like, I just don't want to feel like that. And that's valid too. Yeah. I just don't want you to automatically, I don't want anyone to automatically go to the comfort zone uh, without having looked at what's possible. And if you say, I don't want to paraglide, because that's too scary for me. It doesn't seem like a good time. Okay, don't do that. That's a valid choice as well. I, just, I think I just want everyone to make a choice. That's incredible. That's where really where we get stuck to, isn't it? Is this, I've started to realize over the past couple of years that the lack of a choice, the lack of making a choice is also making a choice. Because it's it's choosing to to really not do anything in whatever you're stuck with right now, you know. To even that's that's a good intermediary step, man. I think I'm going to start to practice this on my own too. Parts therapy, you know. I, I almost think as you were saying this, I envisioned uh, creating a room for this, even you know, like, a, like a, in an empty office or something a, a, in my office building to go in there and just have two chairs, you know. Maybe put some maybe put some ferns in there. So I'm not talking like like Zach Galifianakis with between two ferns or something like that but it's just you know this is where my humor goes in my head but it's I just love it. it's just sitting there and putting myself in this room in two different seats and being able to go back and forth you know i'm fairly good at that but then allow this for other people too. be like like not making a choice is making a choice how do we get past that yeah um well, I think a big step is what you just said is to realize that if you don't make a choice that is choosing so for, sometimes an audition request will come through. They like my profile, they like my showreel, and they want me to upload an audition tape. And then I find that I'm actually delaying. It you know, might be two or three days go by and I'm not doing it. So clearly there's some part of me that's like, nah, I don't really want to do it. Maybe I don't think the audition's going to be very good or I don't really know how to do it or there's something about it. But I do acknowledge that if I don't, upload that tape, that is a choice as well. And that's fine. Some people get confused in relationships. Should I break up? Should I not? Um, Byron Katie says, maybe it's not you making the decision. You know, you're still, if you're still with the person, then you're with the person. One day you might find yourself packing your bags 
and then you'll know it's time to leave. But we have this idea that we've got to work it all out. Sometimes the universe does it, does it for us. And so I don't know that we have to get past, oh, wait, I'm not making a decision here. I think just acknowledge that not making a decision is a decision as well. I just had something this morning that I didn't, I didn't know the answer to. I was like, um, they just moved a shoot on me. It was going to be Saturday morning. Everything was set. It's blocked off. I've been holding the date. Last minute, they decide to have it tomorrow. And now instead of three hours, they want me for eight hours. Whoa. I'm like, what? You were able to do it in three hours before. Now you want me the whole day. So parts therapy, right? One part of me is like, I want to do this role. I think it'd be good. Another part of me is like, I don't know if they've got their act together. I'm not feeling respected. Um, if they, they really want me for eight hours for something that's not a big role, I just wonder, I don't feel appreciated. So that'd be a really good um, example to sit down with a couple of chairs and just go back and forth and then make it make a decision yeah, make a choice that's incredible my man i want to before we close out here i want to talk about your book a little bit get paid for who you are and that's the book where jack canfield had the the forward right he he did and yeah. i will say up up front that feels like a former life for me like i wrote really? that about 10 years ago to help <laughs> people cuz everyone kept asking how do you travel the world and work from where you want and, and choose your own hours and all of that. So I wrote that book and Jack was kind enough to, to bless it with his forward. But um, the new book, the upcoming book, and we've already got the mini, mini book available for people, is called Mouse in the Room. And Mouse in the Room is, is we're writing this because the elephant is not the only animal in the room. Oh my gosh, you're already right. sucking me in, man. <laughs> right. So, so you, we all know about the elephant. You see it, I see it, no one's saying anything. Like if I showed up here with blood on my face or my shirt's off or I was 10 minutes late and didn't say anything to your producer, um, that's like an elephant. It's like, why is no one, come on, why is no one saying it? But many creatures in the room are much more subtle. Yeah. Any thought we're having that isn't expressed as a mouse any emotion, any body sensation, any part of our experience is a mouse in the room. And I think most of us grew up hiding our experience from people. We run it through our filters, we run it through the analysis, and then we pop out on the screen of our computer screen here of our face, what we want the other person to see. And it leads to disconnection. It leads to less influence. It hurts us as leaders. It hurts our confidence because we're hiding so much. So we're, we're writing Mouse in the Room to show people how we can firstly become aware of our own experience, just like we talked about with parts therapy. Oh, I've got this part of me that wants to do this project. Oh, I have another part of me that's resistant because I'm not feeling respected. Yeah. Boom, those are mice. And then if we can name those mice artfully, we can be actually truly connected with the other person. And maybe they'll even feel permission to show a little more of what's going on for them. And it starts going back and forth in a, in a truer, deeper connection. David, that's powerful, man. Where can people go to, to stay updated on when a mouse in the room is coming out? Yeah, well, I created a, a, a special link that's very easy to memorize and it'll go to a hidden page on my site with a gift basket of goodies for listeners. Nice. And uh, the link is myfocusgift.com. You can get on my mailing list. You can listen to my podcast, Extraordinary Focus. You can 
you can get a copy of the trailer that we've produced for Mouse in the Room. And if you want to see if we're a fit for coaching, then there's a link where you can request a 15-minute coaching session with me and we'll see if, uh, if we'd be a fit for each other. And all of these things are at myfocusgift.com. Amazing, David. Man, I really appreciate you being on today. Thanks for just, the, just bringing all of you and showing up today, my man. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Thanks, Rick.